We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Little Woman Podcast. Today's common shout-out goes to Red, who says... I have been recently getting into classic literature, and I thought I was the only one who thought Friedrich was way better than Laurie. All my friends judged it by the 2019 movie without even reading the book, and it's a freaking shame. Their characters deserve so much better. For somebody who never married, Louisa May Alcott thought about marriage a lot. In the 19th century, most people married because of money, and when Louisa was younger, she considered marrying for money so she could lift her family away from poverty. And Louisa's mother had told her that she would rather see her married to a poor man and to be happy. In Little Woman, it is Amy who considered marrying for money so she can financially help her family. People still today judge Amy for that. Should they actually be judging Louisa May Alcott? I don't know. In Little Woman, Mommy says to the girls that she rather sees them to marry poor man for love than to be rich and miserable. When I read Little Woman 2019 film guide, Greta Gerwig was criticizing the previous Little Woman movies that they put too much emphasis on the romance. And there was a whole sequence in the book where she was making fun of the Under the Umbrella chapter and Joseph and Friedrich's relationship. And in the movie she puts way more emphasis on girls wanting to make money and not to care about anything else. And then she wondered why Joe rejected, quote, rich and handsome Laurie. That is a huge contradiction with The Little Woman, the novel, and the entire time period since Louisa Mayalcott encourages young women to marry for love instead of money. And Louisa was not a happy spinster in her diaries from the time when she was in her mid-forties and she writes how long she is and how she envies her sister's marriages. Louisa was making about $2 million a year at that time. That's a lot of money today. She was one of the wealthiest women in America. So money did not make her happy. Not at all. In this episode, Christina and I will be analyzing the different marriages in Little Woman. It does seem that Louisa herself had similar goals when it came to marriage when she was younger. I have often also wondered how much the relationship that she had with real-life Laurie, Lady Wisniewski, affected on her views about marriage. Because she did seriously consider marriage with him and thought about their relationship a lot. He was a lot younger and apparently had proposed Louisa's previous employee while wooing Louisa. And I think Louisa had a good reasons to reject him. If you want to hear more about Laddie and Henry, check out the episode Love and Sex in Real Woman. This is a quote from an article that Louisa wrote, quote, If love comes as it should come, accept it in God's name and be worthy of his best blessing. If it never comes, then in God's name reject the shadow of it. For that can never satisfy a hungry heart. Louisa says that only love that is worth is based on true feelings. That love that is based patch loneliness is self-deceiving and not real. If you think about the 2019 version of Little Woman, it gives a very cynical view of romantic love. Gerwig says that Joe and Laurie could be a great couple and yet completely erases Laurie's toxic behavior towards Joe. That is in the book. And then there is the other narrative that Joe is really Louisa who hated marriage. But as you just heard, she wanted to marry herself and envied her sister's romances. If you just show Laurie being in love with Joe and don't give the actual reason why she rejected him, you will never see why Amy and Laurie 
and Joel Friedrich's relationships were written to be those that work. Now we have a way lighter views on marriage than it was for Victorians, and getting a divorce was difficult, and Luisa saw lots of very unhappy marriages. They were made because of money, but both of her sisters married for love, and it worked out for them. Luisa did pay attention to her sisters' marriages, and she writes how they, quote, blossomed in their marriages. If you ask me, there has not been nearly enough research made about the marriages in Little Woman and how they fit with Lewis's own observations about marriage. I talked with someone in a Henry Terrell discussion group, actually, and they pointed out that there is this, quote, pop culture idea in movies what love is, and it's based on these very shallow ideas what romanticized Joe and Laurie represent in the films. Whereas the transcendentalists like Louisa May Alcott, they saw love more as a spiritual experience. You know, it doesn't really matter how different or how similar you are with the other person. What really matters is how your differences and similarities complement the other person. And this is something that Louisa May Alcott really mastered the way she crafted the marriages in Little Woman and many of her other novels too. This small umbrella in the rain Little Woman podcast, marriages in Little Woman and why they work. Remember you said, I'm pretty sure it was you, where you said that Meg and John were the more grounded type, Lori and Amy are the romantic type, and then Joe and Friedrich somehow are a mix of the two. Like, they're grounded in the sense of, like, what is the realistic, but, like, they are deeply romantic with each other and that it carries on through the years. One of my friends said that Louis writing all these things to her journals, how she was lonely and envied her sister's marriages and how she wanted to get married, it was not something that she could say to the public if she had this fear that people pity her because she was a a spinster. But also that during that time, it would not be something even appropriate to tell that I'm not married because I'm lonely. She was always afraid that she would lose her face. I've been reading this now from a couple of different sources that she paid Daddy Wisniewski some money that he would not go to the press and chat about their, I don't know if it was a fair or a kiss or something more. <laughs> but um, I think it's pretty clearly that Louisa was afraid that people would find out that she had affairs with men. Yeah. I think it was the... One of the Algot studies that I read that uh, Louise and her publisher, they were the ones who came up with the spinster image so that they could sell her books, especially for the children, because the children were her target audience. Even though nowadays a lot of people see Little Woman more as a young adult novel, or mm-hmm. some people even as an adult novel, but back then it was really targeted for children. I don't think Little Woman is necessarily a children's book because I think it opens up a lot better when you have some years behind you. Right. But I think it explains a lot about why people have so many misconceptions about Louisa and marriage. There is a very big difference between this public image that Louisa and her publisher, Thomas Niles, created for her so that they would sell her works. And then there is this 
Private Louisa, who had these crushes to her older male friends, and I think she did fell in love to Henry David Thoreau, and she had a fling with Lady Wisniewski. She was a very passionate woman who did want career and a romance and marriage. I also read the early Alcott schoolers because they didn't really want to make the difference between the two. They cut out all these certain parts about her diaries and didn't include them into the public statements about Louisa May Alcott. It's really interesting when you go back to the Louisa May Alcott research and how in different time periods certain elements have been removed from Louisa May Alcott studies. I think I read that in the 70s when the 1970 series uh, came out, there was this big anti-Frederick and anti-Laurie movement in Alcott research because of that series, the way it portrayed Laurie and Frederick. And I kind of understand that because I don't think that series does a really good job with portraying the the male characters, but then Mm -hmm. it's also a really shame... (laughs) In terms of the research, if you take this very angry feminist approach with the male characters. The BBC version you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. one where Friedrich is really angry when, when he finds out that Joe has been writing sensational stories. Yeah, that one is a very unusual version. I, I also remember that they did, like, Mr. March felt a little weird. Like, I was like, yeah, like that doesn't seem right to his character to just kind of be oblivious like that because like the one scene that stands out particularly is when Friedrich comes to visit and he just he's like oh my god it's you and like takes him to like the study and just doesn't even realize that like oh maybe Joe wanted to see Friedrich like I, I was like that seems so totally not in character with Mr. March and like I don't know it was like I, it is a very unusual version and not to say that the the BBC couldn't do a version of Little Women because I, obviously they're they're British and more American, but like it almost felt at times like it was making fun of it. Like they kind of had moments where I was just like, I don't know if you're making fun of the story or not. Like there was something very off about it, which I almost felt it as a shame because it does have some good moments. Like I think the actress that plays Joe is good. Like she she could have been a really good. Joe, she seemed to have that same sort of characteristic and uh, had a really good uh, Lori proposal scene. I thought that was actually, again, one of the closest to how the novel plays it out. And you really do kind of sit there like, Lori, you little, you little jerk, like, just leave her alone. It's tough. And that one, for anyone that doesn't know, because I took the time to do it, that is so far to date the only version that has an actual German Friedrich. Half German, half English, I think. Yeah, I'm trying to find my thing, the, the post that I made, because I one day I was just so bored. I was like, let me just see how many of them are actual Germans versus... Yeah, so I found it. For anyone that is curious, Paul Lucas from the 33 version is Hungarian. Rosano Brazzi from the 49 version is Italian. Then Frederick Yeager from the 1971 that we're discussing is German. Shatner from 78, two-parter is Canadian. Gabriel Byrne from 1994 is Irish. Mark Stanley from the Masterpiece Theater miniseries uh, is English. Ian Bowen from the Modern Day one is American. And Lewis Garrell is French. I, I was just curious one day. I was just like, let me just research this. And uh, I got to say... As unusual as the 1970 version is, 
it had that going for him, but I was like, that's a shock. Like, like seriously, only out of, out of all of those and that's mainstream versions, one of them is the closest to how the book version is, which mm. is very, very bizarre. Yeah, it's uh, not very loyal to the book. I think they did a really good job with Amy and Laurie in Europe. The dialogue was very close to the book, but then it also had that uh, scene of Laurie catfishing Meg, which also in the book, but then I got so mad because they framed it to be Meg's fault. That yeah. did not run today because it was all Laurie's fault. Right, and <laughs> it's not fair to say that's Meg's fault when why why would she ever suspect that you know Laurie would ever do such a thing? Because as harmless as his other tricks before, she probably was just like ah whatever. But that was not harmless. That was a very mean thing to do, and that's like the moment where you're kind of like Laurie. That's very that was very low of you to go that way, but. Again, I'm not a fan of any version that has an adult playing Amy. And and I think as good as she was, like you said, when uh, she's more an adult and they're in Europe, I think that's a good sequence. But as a child, she just, that that actress got on my nerves. I, I couldn't stand listening to her screech that, that way. So it was the same thing with that Amy in the 1978 version. It just was like, oh my God, just grow up. <laughs> you are a grown up, so act yeah. like it. You cannot have an adult woman uh, playing a child without making the character looking immature. It happens yeah. every time, every single yeah. time. And and I and I do say I give props to the 1949 version that obviously when you look at them, Margaret O'Brien is younger than Elizabeth Taylor. So in that one, they actually switched it to be that Amy is older than Beth. While that is not accurate I can appreciate that they did try to accommodate it so that way it doesn't look wrong like again you can't convince me that Margaret O'Brien is older (laughs) than Elizabeth Taylor so far only the 94 version and the 2008 modern day version actually did do a split between child Amy and adult Amy and it makes Amy so much more sympathetic when you kind of look at her like she's just a little girl. She wants to be with the older sisters, which is something I relate to. I mean, I'm the youngest of four and my sister is five years older than me. So I always kind of had that feeling of like, can I come to? And it's like, no, you're not old enough for this. No, you can't because, you know, this is something that only, let's just say if I was 10 and she was 15, like, sorry, only teenagers can do this or you're not old enough for that. Like, so I definitely can identify with Amy of that feeling of, but I want to join too. It's not fair. Like, and you feel bad because you're just like, no, she's just a little kid. But, but when you do get like an older actress playing the part and doing the whole book burning scene, it, it doesn't feel as sympathetic to Amy and and you do have that sort of feeling of like well Joe's right to be mad at her for as long as she has because she's an adult and she should know better whereas with the little kid it's like it was really bad that she did that but you gotta understand she is a little kid be a little bit more forgiving towards her I don't know why they feel the need to the only thing I can think of is that they kind of I'm assuming in general Hollywood when they do like cast a um older actress to play a younger person to try to carry out is that they think that somehow you're going to lose momentum or you lose something in that. But I'm like, 
I can't buy, as much as I do like Lily James, I can't buy Lily James being a young Natasha in War and Peace. She's a little bit too mature looking to be a 12-year-old. If you told me 16, I'd be like, that's a stretch, but whatever, I can buy that more than 12. I don't really understand it, and it, it really loses a lot of the character for me. One of the things that came out about Amy in the book is that when she was 12, what she really wanted was Joe's approval. Well, she wanted uh, Joe to like her, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think uh, Joe also resented that Amy was so feminine, and there's Mm. nothing wrong with her being feminine either. One of the things that I really liked about part two was uh, this description how uh, Joe and Amy would fight about something, and then they would burst out laughing when they realized that this really stupid, this argument (laughs) that we're having. Amy wasn't anti-Joe, or Joe wasn't anti-Amy. They were just sisters. Again, I sort of draw parallels between my sister and myself. Like, I don't know if we were very close when we were younger. And it's the same with, like, every, no matter who you are, sibling-wise, you know, whether you're two boys, two girls, one boy one and one girl type situation. But when you reach a certain age, you're like, the, I want to do the things I want to do and not have to spend all my time with my little sister and or little brother the younger sibling kind of feels like you're leaving me behind and but once you get to a certain age you kind of almost reconnect like I feel like I'm definitely closer with my sister now because now we're both adults and we both have that better understanding of each other and not that there was never any love between us in all those years there was it just in a way and I and I think in general, children are unintentionally selfish. We just kind of go like, I want to do what I want to do at this age. And I don't care if my little sister wants to come along. It's what I want to do. Why should she? She can't come along and I'm not going to accommodate for that because I've I've earned my years to be able to do this and I'm not going to be held back by her. So yeah, I don't think that it was ever, like you said, anti-Joe, anti-Amy against each other. It was just whatever their the points they were in their lives, it just did not lead them to be as close as they were. But as they gotten older, they sort of under, understand themselves better as well as each other and how powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply that helped to create a more closer and more developed relationship where they can actually be more like friends. I think that people tend to pit them together because they both do so well with Beth. Between the two of them, they have a little bit more conflict. They grow out of it. And particularly, I felt with the Gerwig version, they put more attention on Joe and Amy's relationship and how it's, ooh, it's symbolism because they're so different and contrasting each other and it's just like I don't know I don't feel like there's that much thought into it just in general that's just the nature of how sibling relationships are you start off being like oh my little sister my big sister and then you grow into that age of I want to do more of the adult things and I don't I don't want to be around my little sibling as much as I used to and then sort of re 
connecting because like, oh yeah, like now that we're sort of closer in the sense of age mentality, we can do those things together. So yeah, I, I think people overblow the Joe and Amy relationship as if it is this full on sibling rivalry, which it really is not, not at all. I was really surprised because when I did the research on uh, Lisa May Alcott's relationship with uh, May Alcott, yeah, there was some sibling rivalry between them when they were younger. Like I said about the uh, angry feminist and the 70s version, I think a lot of the Alcott schoolers, well, not necessarily Alcott schoolers, but public in general, when they are into separating little women in different times, they always tend to go to TV version or a film version instead of the book. When I was doing the research about the sisters, it really boggled my mind that there were so many alcohol schoolers who uh, were writing how, oh, Louisa envied May when she was living in Europe and she was hanging out with Larry Wisniewski. Then I read <laughs> these letters between Louisa and May. Uh, it seems that they both were fed up with him. And uh, I also got this feeling that not only had Louisa given him money, I don't know if it was for, uh, you know, shutting him down for their fling or whatever it was, or uh, if he if she wanted to help him financially, I don't know. It seemed that May might have also borrowed him money because uh, she writes in a letter to Louisa that he never paid his uh, debt back. And people are always saying, oh, Mia, you really shouldn't hate Laurie that much. I don't hate Laurie. Laurie, he grows in his relationship with Amy, and I really like that. But that's a big part of his character. But uh, I can't deny the fact that all these real-life Laurie's, Larry Wisniewski and Alf Whitman, was also a friend of the Algots. Larry was an adult man, and he seems to have been borrowing money from his wealthy friends and didn't really seem to be very reliable or very interested in work. And then I think May also wrote about Alf that, well, he seems to be a bit lost in life and doesn't really have a direction. And that sounds a lot like Laurie. I read so many bad studies about Louis and May and how they were fighting, quote-unquote, fighting over Laddie, who was living in, in Paris the same time as May. Then it doesn't really align with the letters that the sisters wrote to each other. And why on earth would they fighting about this guy I think uh, Louisa wrote Laurie to be this aspiring character who actually grows out from that disillusions that he has about artist life. It's not just Laddie and Alf who were models for Laurie. You can find it from all these different books that Louisa read and all these young men who she liked to hang out with. I think it's really dismissive for both the literal Joe and Amy and then the actual Louisa May Alcott and May Alcott to present them as these sisters who just were having this love and hate relationship and only thought about this guy who actually wasn't really that great. <laughs> I actually really like Laureen, ghost boys and little man when he's helping Nat and uh, he brings all these poor boys to Joe. He also always says that Joe was the one who raised him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't speak about Joe as his first love or girlfriend. I just don't like the the romanticization of the young Laurie. I think a lot of these other schoolers who try to present Joe and Amy, these people who just fight over Laurie, it's not based on the book. 
that's based on the adaptations. I say the same about the people who say that Ocho and Frigg just argue. Well, they don't argue in the book. They argue in pretty much every single adaptation. I always have felt that out of all of them, that Joe and Friedrich would, would be the ones that have the best communication skills because, like you said, they never argue or yell at each other. They always just somehow manage to discuss the situation. And I, I think people also sort of think that it's sort of like, you know, they just know that, oh, Joe has a temper. And they think she carries that throughout that she's old like she always has a temper but like she knows how to control it by the time she goes to new york and most of the adaptations will have a kind of like play out as if like oh there's that temper of hers but like no she kind of learns how to control it thanks to like marmy and and even mr march uh, when he comes back but it's also not in friedrich's nature to be argumentative either he's not a temperamental type of guy and, we, and as we find, Joe has tempers when she reacts to something negatively in a very strong way. Like, we never see her yell at Beth. She never yells at Beth for anything, even if they do disagree, because why would you yell at Beth? She's the least offending person ever. And I feel if I had to compare Friedrich to any of the sisters, it would be to Beth. You know, he is a very quiet, gentle soul who is, unlike Beth, is able to when the moment needs to arise, he will stand up and say, uh, no, I, I don't agree with that. He's more willing to put himself out there if the situation comes to it. He'll kind of sit there and be like, I may not agree, but that's fine. But if something, like as we see in the, the novel, uh, when they're at the symposium and someone says something in regards to religion, he, that was like that moment where he's like, uh, sorry, I need to stand up and say something. But in the nicest way possible, with strong facts to hold him behind and that's when joe gets that an extra boost of respect for friedrich so it would be very surprising and almost negative towards joe's character to say one that this temper that she's been working on all of a sudden comes back and to say that she would yell at someone who is so unoffensive unlike with like Lori, who like yells and says these very negative things towards her does she respond negatively? Whereas with Friedrich, he, he approaches it in a very kind and more uh, gentler way. So there is no reason for her to respond in that in that way. Yeah, I, I I don't really I don't really understand why people feel that that it's so important to have them argue when that's not it's not any it's not close to who their characters are and and it changes how you sort of almost see their characters because. Why would Friedrich act that way when he doesn't? And why would Joe yell at him when there's no reason to yell at him? And I think Amy also had a very calming influence on Laurie. Amy's a very visual person. And then you have Laurie who likes these very pretty things. He likes uh, nice clothes. And, well, in, in the modern context, he would be a metrosexual. Is a right. man who likes to take care of his looks, which is kind of opposite to my man Fritz. There are times when Joe makes fun of Laurie, like he likes to buy nice clothes and uh, fancy gloves, and, and Joe laughs about it because why are you spending your money in these irrelevant things? So she doesn't really have much appreciation for Laurie taking care of his looks. And one of my friends pointed out that all the three couples have their own special 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Aesthetics, so to speak. Like Joan and Meg, they have this whole cottagecore aesthetic. And with... Joe and Friedrich, they are not too picky. Joe was that kind of person who didn't really romanticize life, even though Joe and Fritz are a very romantic couple, like you said. But Joe was never a very visual person in Little Man. It's almost like she and Fritz have this mutual agreement that Plumfield is going to be this topsy-turvy, upside-down place. If boys' sticky hands make places dirty, that's okay. And we can have pillow fights once a week so they can release their energy. And then it's completely different in the Lawrence house because Amy and Laurie, they like to have these fancy balls and dinner parties and things to be visually pleasing. And I always thought that Amy and Laurie were a match made in heaven because him being a metrosexual, for example, was something that Amy found visually pleasing. And of course, Joe found Frederick very attractive. I really love that scene when Amy and Laurie are in Europe and she taps his hand and says that this is like a lady's hand. You haven't done any work in your life. And Amy knows the struggles of being poor and Laurie doesn't have any experiences of that. And then Amy says that Joe hates lazy people. And Amy, Amy herself also hates lazy people. And that is Laurie's wake-up call. That's when he turns from a boy into a man. And that scene is never in any Little Woman adaptations between 1933 and 2019. Then if we think about Louisa May Alcott, she worked as a nurse uh, in the war. She took care of sick people. She saw bodies lying around. She wasn't squeamish, (laughs) maybe because she didn't really consider herself very attractive always. And that also had to do with her illness. When you read Little Woman, there is sometimes criticism the way people tend to pay more attention to the way things look outside than the way they look inside. You know what I mean. Joe is not a very visual person. I almost forgot about the pillow fights. I was like, oh, that's so adorable. But yeah, each relationship worked out for each of them uh, in the best way. Friedrich and Joe are a little bit more like, oh, let's just do what whatever suits us at whatever time. And Lori and Amy are like the people who are like, we have to have dinner ready by five every day because we just have to. <laughs> no earlier, no later. And But it works for them because that is the lifestyles that they, they want. And if you have someone like Joe who is like, eh, let's just eat whenever, whatever. And Lori is like, uh, no, I want to have this specific time with this specific meal. 
that's going to clash. Again, I think that's what makes how she handles these relationships very well, that it's not even just like, oh, you can trade one sister for another. It's like, no, they're so different. Their relationship with Lori is so different that it will not have the same outcome as you think that it will. You can't have Lori just be with Joe and expect to have the same outcome as uh, Lori and Amy. It just won't. Not at all. And it's funny, like, it's, this is, in, in, in some ways, it's a story of, like, opposites attracting as well as people who are similar attract. Like, you often hear people say differently, like, he was someone who is completely different from you or, but then you have some people who are like, get someone that is completely the same to you. And I got to find the passage, but I, I think Marmy kind of said it perfectly. This is when Joe wants to leave for New York and and Marmy says, you know, oh, I think it's not just because of you wanting to leave, it's also because of Lori. I got to find it, but she says that as friends, you are very happy and your frequent quarrels soon blow over. I fear that you both would rebel if you made it for life. You are too much alike and too fond of freedom, not to mention hot-tempered and strong wills to get on happily with each other in relation that needs infinite patience and forbearance as well as love. So on one hand, the fact that they are very similar is going to be detrimental to them that would ruin their relationship because really what makes a relationship work is what is similar about the two of you is your morals, your points of views on some of the bigger topics of things and and of your interests. But you need to be different enough to allow some sort of growth to happen because if you have two people who are exactly the same and have the same sort of sort of ways of living life, there's a very slim chance I think of them progressing into something more deep and meaningful I think you know it's going to be a very kind of like what do you want to do today I don't know what do you want to do I don't know and then just you do nothing versus if you get someone that is at the very least a little different from you and you go I don't know what do you want to do and it's like well why don't we do something a little different out of our comfort zone and let's do it let's go like I think that in a way they both have that you know like you said Amy pushed Lori to be more responsible and to sort of realize like what a grown-up he needs to be and Friedrich kind of helps ground Joe and be and and not to say like he tells her like you can still have that dream like you can still be a writer you can do it I believe that you can in a way they both Amy and Friedrich are what Joe and Lori need because in some ways they ground them but also give them what it is that they need, not necessarily what they want. Lori thinks what he wants is a a housewife that is just going to do what he wants him to do. What he needed was a wife that is like, you know what, you could stand to do a few chores around this house. (laughs) I think that's why some people feel like have that idea of like, Jill and Lori would be great together because they're so similar, but like therein lies the problem. They're too similar and they're too like a, reflection of each other and I think if you spend too long and too often with someone that is just like you you're going to see some of the more negative stuff about yourself and you're not going to like it you're going to hate how you are as a person and then you're going to maybe start resenting that person because you recognize some of the more negative stuff about yourself you're like you know what I can grow and learn from this but the person that you're with has not done the same and you're like 
I'm moving ahead and you're staying right there and we want different things. And so, yeah, I think no matter what, Joe and Lori's relationship would have, would have ended into the disaster because one will grow and the other will not. And there is, you can't have a relationship where you're not going together somewhere. If you eat, whether it's the both of you stay in the one place or one stays and one goes. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And you said that, uh, you know, Joe and Frick, they don't, they don't really have any reasons to argue. Um, <laughs> Henry and Louisa, what I've read, they have this sort of um, telepathic way of communication that they would understand each other without words. I think you can see some of that in Little Woman, in Joe and Frick's, the way they communicate. And um, like you said, well, they are probably them. They probably have the least problems in communication when it comes to the different couples in Little Woman because they know each other so well. So it's really interesting that, that Louis and Henry would have this sort of telepathic rapport between one another. And, you know, even though Louis had temper tantrums, Henry was, what I read, quite a peaceful person and didn't really care too much about arguing. I mean, I think it brings another extra layer to Little Woman and to Chosen Frederick's relationship. I think you can see a lot of that in Little Man, especially when they have this sort of teasing <laughs> conversation between one another. Well, they really don't argue a lot in the in the sequels, and if they don't argue in, in, in Little Woman, why would they argue? They really don't. <laughs> they don't have any big conflict. John and Laurie are the ones who have the conflicts. And even with Meg and John, well, I think there was a reason for that argument. And after that, they were a better couple. You know, Meg realized right. that she had problems with leaving behind this idea that she did wish that sometimes they would have more money. And John realized that, well, Meg has more needs. It's a growing thing, you know. It, it's not easy. I mean, I, I've not yet to have been in a relationship but but hearing talking between them my friend and my and seeing my sister go through certain some of her relationships it's a growing thing you know it's, you gotta learn each other's idiosyncrasies and you gotta learn like what does it mean to have another person in your life that is so close to you you know it's, it's just like when people say like when they have kids they have that realization of like oh i just have realized that it's not going to just always be about me. Sometimes it's about them. And that, and that doesn't mean that you necessarily are sacrificing the overall picture of what you want for them, but just kind of taking a step back and going like, I got to realize that even though I approach this situation this way, it doesn't work when I go, go with this person of whom I am living with and love and, and whatnot. So yeah, I, I think that with Meg and John, it was because they were already so shy with each other in the beginning of their relationship that it took a little bit more time for them to sort of understand what does it really mean to be in love and to be married. They're such an underrated uh, little women couple. It's it's such a sweet little romance that it's like, oh, they, they love each other and like, you know, watching them kind of blossom into these developed parents who truly uh, care for their children and surprisingly John being a lot more hands-on than you'd expect any man from that time period to be hands-on with their kids but yeah it, it really goes to show that you know marriage is not always as easy as one would think in Little Woman when there was the gap 
catfishing sequence. I think there was a moment when uh, afterwards uh, Meg was like looking that Laurie wasn't going to do any kind of jokes with, with John. She was uh, keeping an eye on him more closely because she didn't want and nothing bad to happen to John. I think I would do the same if that happened to me. John is really underrated character. Like I always love that scene when they're in the Camp Lawrence and he's defending Meg being a, a teacher. A governess. A, a governess. And he's like, oh, these American girls, they need to earn a living too. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a, such a not. sweet scene. I don't really think that moment in particular is really seen in any version. I mean, we do have certain versions that do have like the, the beach slash boating scene mm-hmm. and uh, those like first hints of like, you know, oh, I don't have any family to worry about. Meg being like, oh, no, well, I will. I would miss you if something were to happen. Like, it's 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 precious and you know the fact that he is so patient with her because like he knows that he loves her but you know he he knows that maybe meg isn't fully sure but he's not pressuring her in the same way that the way Lori would have he just is like it's all right you know i i'll wait if you'd like and i'm I'm always here if you do realize that you do love me that but that's okay you take your time you you got you do what you gotta do (laughs) like he is he is so such a sweet character and 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 the fact that he just wants Amy he wants Meg to be happy even at the sacrifice of getting a new coat for her to get a dress is just so sweet and and it's such a big moment for Meg to kind of be like you know what I don't need a dress I just need you and it's it's such a lovely little relationship that really doesn't get as much love as the other two comparatively and, and I think that's a shame. Both Friedrich and John, they do parallel in that sense that they both feel at some point that they are not worthy of this woman. With, uh, mm-hmm. with John is that Meg has all the pressure to marry a rich guy because she is the prettiest of the sisters. And especially Aunt Marge wants her to marry some rich man. And then there is that rumor going on that Meg has something going on with Lori. And Marm is really mad about it, and uh, which is understandable. But I think John also felt that um, he was too poor for her. Because, you know, Meg came from a poor family too. He didn't feel that he could give what she needed. That's also one of the reasons why they waited, why he waited for her. I love that scene in, in Little Woman when Friedrich feels that he's not worthy of Joe, but it's also because he thinks that Joe is engaged to Laurie and he can only base his views on Laurie to what Joe has told him, which is not a lot, and only that he's this rich neighbor and Joe's mm-hmm. best friend. And that's pretty alarming <laughs> when you are in love with this girl. <laughs> and you hear that, okay, are they engaged? And he doesn't know that. And then he's mm-hmm. so happy when he comes to Concord a year later, and then he finds out that Amy and Laurie are married. Joe is uh, available. Like, I always kind of, uh, again, props to the 1970 version, as flawed as it is, they do handle that scene exactly as I kind of imagined it in the book, where, like, he's like, oh, yes, you're you're the friend. Hi, nice to meet you. And Lori's like, oh, yeah, and this is my wife. And he's like, oh, you're married. Okay, well, we can be friends. <laughs> like, now there's nothing holding me back from, you know. But, but the fact that he was willing to gracefully kind of step aside for Joe, 
uh, if that was the case, is very endearing to, like, it's only until after he realizes that Lori is married to Amy and is not at all uh, with Joe that he's like, oh, okay, now I can finally say my feelings, uh, which is very true with every version, like, it, when he finds out that there is no Joe and Lori, it's like, okay, now I can finally say what I feel. Otherwise, before, I was just willing to internalize it and just make me feel sad <laughs> forever. Or so, yeah, poor Friedrich. He was willing to do that for Joe if that was what she had wanted, but it worked. ended up working well for everyone. Such a nice scene where he's like, oh, and then the narrator mentions how Larry thought he was the nicest journey. He never met. He was so friendly. Right. It's a really funny scene. I, I, I really love the whole courting episode in the novel. He always wants what's best for Joe. Again, it sort of makes me go like, oh, you two idiots, you love each other. Like, like how, you know, they always seem to be just happening to meet up at the same spot. Like, oh, I didn't see you there. Uh, maybe I'll go with you to see your sister and maybe maybe I'll come home for a spot of coffee. I mean, not that I was waiting to see you. Joe being all like, Friedrich, oh, I mean the professor is coffee this way. <laughs> like, like, it's very clear to everyone except to each other, it would seem that you are madly in love. But, like, it, I guess love makes you share one brain cell. <laughs> in this case but then it leads to probably one of the most romantic scenes ever with them just taking shelter with each other under an umbrella and saying how much they just love each other just all comes out in this moment of i believe you're going away and that makes me sad it's like no i'm not going away i just i, I promise i won't leave you i love you too much like it's just oh i love it i love that scene so much it's a really romantic proposal. And nothing to give you but a full heart and empty hands and the whole her taking his hand and saying, not empty now. It's like, this is true classic romanticism, you know. When people talk about, like, Pride and Prejudice, Mr. Darcy holding Lizzie's hand. And, and people want to say Joe and Friedrich are not romantic. How dare you? You must not have read or watched that scene properly. It's like when people say that Joe and Friedrich are not passionate enough. Then in the umbrella chapter, he's holding his voice, crying. And then he asks her, why are you crying? And then she's like, because you're going away. And then we find out that he has been keeping Joe's poem with him for months and months. And they pretty much start to make out right after the proposal. Right. And the fact that Joe, like, is the one who pretty much jumps on Friedrich. Like the the fact that despite the fact they're in the middle of a muddy road is like, I just got to kiss you because I can't hold it in. And just them making out while people are passing them and it's <laughs> raining, their clothes are all muddy. Like who cares? They got to kiss here and now. Who, who cares who sees and whatnot? And particularly for back then, that was so scandalous. Yeah, in the 19th century, it wasn't really seen as appropriate to have such public expression of affection. I read in a, another Louisa May Alcott novel in the work story of experience, because there's the moment when David, who is a, once again based on 
Henry David Thoreau, when he confesses his feelings for Christine, who is the protagonist, he almost has the similar blurt that Friedrich has in the Umbrella chapter that he's been holding all these feelings inside and then he just lets it all out there when he confesses his love for her. And uh, I think, you know, it's something that Louisa kind of recycles in her stories. I think there's something similar in Rose in Bloom when Mac confesses his feelings to Rose. You know, when I read about him, he was, he's quite similar to Freddie in that sense that he would take his time to think things through before he would express his opinion or something that he really wanted to say. There's a lot of descriptions about him that he was sort of a more of a deep thinker and then uh, also in some ways very passionate person. Yeah, I think some of that must have come from Louis's own experiences. Why else would she write about it in her novels? We have been talking about two hours and 40 minutes. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you, Christina, for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Yes, and thank you for inviting me. I've never been a part of a podcast before, so this is very exciting for me. And I hope that the listeners get a chance to, you know, enjoy it as much as I did. You can find you at Tumbrel from the Joe and Friedrich blog. It's a great blog. People go and read it. Thanks. I try my best. (laughs) That was our chat for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make good choices. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.